Hello and welcome to the newest episode of the Game Dev Grip Podcast. We're here with Jory, who's working on Creator Crates, uh, a first-time guest on the podcast. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, the game you're working on, and all that good stuff. I'm happy to be here. So um, I'm making a roguelike physics platformer in Unity 3D um, with a lot of models made in Blender. Um, and they also make all of the animations for it. So it's a roguelike physics platformer about this robot. It's an appliance that can eat objects and turn them into other objects. So you've escaped and you're trying to get off of the space station where you were made. Um, and the space station itself is interesting because it's more of a realistic hard science fiction designed for a space station. So it's a gigantic rotating circle um, and it's like a centrifuge that pulls you towards the outside for gravity. So the whole level is literally a gigantic circle. And if you walk far enough in one direction, you'll come back to where you started. Okay, can you talk a little bit about why you chose first a procedural game versus just a static game or whatever the opposite would be, and also why you went with a physics-based one rather than just traditional movement? Oh, definitely. So as far as why I chose a procedural game, um, it mostly has to do with the kinds of games I enjoy. So, like, I've played a lot of NetHack and a lot of action roguelikes like Spelunky, Nuclear Throne, Binding of Isaac. And basically what I like about procedural games is that I feel it, it compresses the experience into this much tighter, more interesting little segment of gameplay. Like if I'm playing a full-length AAA game or even an older one like um, the early Final Fantasies, I get into these really kind of obsessive behaviors where I'm hoarding items and I'm trying to explore every single subquest. And like I'm worrying that my characters are going to be the right level or else they won't be able to beat the final boss and all of this stuff. And roguelikes kind of break that down because the basic assumption is that you probably are going to die and not reach the end. And the point of it is more that you're living in the moment and having fun. And that's kind of where the procedural generation comes in. Because if you're dying a whole lot, you're going to get really bored if you're going through the same level over and over again. Can you talk a little bit about the trade-off with that too as a developer? Like where the difficulty curve is? Like how much more work is it and where doing a static game versus a procedural one? So I think there's a misconception that like if you if you use procedural generation for your game, then it's going to be easier because you don't have to design the levels. And that's not really true. It's more like, at least in my case, it's more like I'm designing very small pieces of level. And then I'm spending a whole lot of time making a system that's capable of arranging these pieces in an interesting and compelling way. 
Um, and um, so I'd say, like, the total project time probably would have been shorter if I hadn't decided to go with procedural generation. And, like, the game from start to finish would probably be a longer game as well. But with procedural generation, it takes the focus off of so much getting from beginning to end. And it's more about exploring this possibility space where each run, you really do have the feeling like you can encounter new situations, even if you've been in the same general area. Like, you know, it's... um. For instance, different areas of my game have different enemies and different hazards in them. But if you've played through one area once, you haven't really seen everything that one area has to offer. Can you talk a little bit about what makes a good procedural game versus a bad one? Oh, definitely. So um, when I was just starting out thinking about making Creator Crate, I basically went down a list of every single procedural game I play and what I like about them, what I don't like about them, and tried to really boil down like what the best parts of that are. Um, and like the example, and um, like no offense to the games I'm talking about, but like I'd put up Spelunky as a very good example of procedural generation versus Rogue Legacy, which didn't really hook me. And the differences there are that Spelunky is made of these very tiny chunks that are slotted together to make a cohesive level. So basically, um, you can move seamlessly from one room in Spelunky to the next room, you know, and there's not like a hard border where um, nothing in a room can interact with another room. So it doesn't so much feel like you're moving through these individual segments, but instead you're moving through a cohesive whole where um, you stop focusing on the individual elements and they, they become more than the sum of their parts. Whereas with Rogue Legacy, it's more like you have these set rooms, they never change, and they're totally sealed off from each other. So you basically have to kill everything in one room to get to the next room. And um, there's one exception to this I've found, which is Gungeon. And that game works just because the individual segments are so good even if they're not using the procedural generation to the fullest extent. Um, you know, but their rooms are very static. Can you talk a little uh, bit about, from like the pro programmer's or designer perspective, what makes those games different? What were their approaches and how were they different? Oh, definitely. So, um, like, I can't really uh, claim to get inside the heads of those programmers. Or just from your experience, yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, so, like, in my experience, uh, what makes them different is that a good procedural game is focused on these emergent systems. Um, so you want 
things to pop out of the gameplay, which weren't necessarily put in there to begin with. For instance, you might have a gun turret in one of the rooms in my game, and it's firing at you when you're standing in a totally different room. It destroys a wall behind you that lets you escape. And that's not something I planned to be there. I just made a gun turret that destroys walls, and I made a destructible wall. And those two elements found each other, and they interacted the way I planned, even though I didn't plan for that wall to ever um, be next to that gun turret. So um, one game, uh, I don't play that many games, but one procedural game I played recently I'd like to get your thoughts on. Did you play Dead Cells? Oh, you know, I haven't played Dead Cells yet. Okay, I just was wondering because I also, one yeah, of my favorite we games... we can talk about it in general terms. Yeah, one of my favorite games is one you mentioned, which was Nuclear Throne, which is one of my favorite uh Oh, yeah, Nuclear Throne games. is such an inspiration for but me. But I was just, if you play Dead Cells or if you do play it, we'll talk about it in a future episode. I, I felt like it was like the levels were already built, like these big chunks, and they were just kind of swapping out stuff inside of them. So for me, it didn't have the same experience as something like Nuclear Throne. So that's why I was asking you from... So with your approach to your game, to Creator Create, how how do you approach it? Like how small are your granules in the procedural system? Like is it a room, uh, a tile? Like how do you approach that? How do you do that? Yeah, so um, basically the player is one block big and each humans are one block wide, two blocks high. And each room is 16 by 16 blocks. So um, that basically lets me have like a few systems in a room that are interacting in a planned way. That's not so big that, um, that, you know, you can't see what's in the next room. And I've also set up my level generator so I can have pieces that are multiple rooms large. So a lot of the times I'll do something where I'm slotting in a chunk of content that's two rooms high and one room wide. So, um, yeah, that sounds maybe a little bit smaller in the granules than what you're describing with dead cells. Yeah, can you talk a lot, a little bit about, <clears throat> so this game, let's say when Creator Create was just an idea. So when you're building, when you're prototyping it, what is the order that you're building things for this procedural physics-based platformer? Oh, definitely. So, um, so I started out the game, um, not a lot of game dev or programming experience. So I'd done a little bit with Adventure Game Studio and Game Maker, but I was pretty much coming to Unity Fresh. So, like, my first concern was, like, am I even able to make this circular world? Um, and am I able to make it work physically in the way I want to? Basically, where you're getting pulled away from the center, um, like a centrifuge. So I'd say that my very first step was just getting a player controller that can move in a way that's oriented towards the center, where you're always falling away 
uh, from that. And then for getting the procedural generation going, I went through a lot of different stages of that. But um, on its most basic level, I'm um, like, you know, those rooms I was talking about that are 16 by 16 block. Each, each one of them has four possible connections. So you can have an up connection, a right connection, a down connection, or a left connection. And if you're connecting to the room to the right of you, then the room to the right of you must connect left, right? Because um, they're all hooking up with each other. So basically, I go through a big grid of those, and I randomly set it so that um, each room has one or more connections with adjacent rooms. And that leaves you with a bunch of independent pockets because I never told it that, okay, everything needs to be reachable from everything else. So then I go through that again and I say, if this room is in one pocket and it's bordering another pocket that it doesn't connect to, then what I'm going to do is make another connection to that pocket and then I'll consider those both a single pocket. And I'll keep doing that until every single room is connected into one big pocket, basically, so it's a giant maze. So since it's a physics-based platformer, does having it be physics-based make it simpler with the procedural generation, or does it make it more complicated versus just a regular like transform movement that's non-physics? Oh, I'd say it's about the same as far as procedural generation goes. The physics, um, it more comes into play like on a gameplay basis because you have things like, say, an object falling out of the air can knock you off of a platform. Uh, and the player's arm is also physics-based. So you're able to move the arm around you. You can pick up these physics objects. And then if you just rotate the arm and re release the objects at the right time, it'll go flying through the air and it can do things like knock people over or activate switches. And I'd say that the physics allows for a lot more emergent gameplay. Um, but as far as the procedural generation goes, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. Oh, okay. So... What like what would you say uh, as a because this is a you're a solo developer right you're doing everything on this thing yeah pretty much um except for the music which someone else is making okay what would you say is like your main thing like your strong point in game dev or the thing that you like doing you know like your 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 main uh, skill so when I got into uh, making Creator Crate, my strong point was definitely modeling and animating in Blender because that's what I've been doing um, a lot of before then. But and, at this, oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, so out of the new things, like let's say the game design, the programming, like all the different elements, which one have you found to be the most challenging from your approach? Oh, let me think. Um, 
I think from my point of view, the programming is definitely more challenging than the art side of it. Um, but it's also really rewarding in its own way. So I really love making big systems like the procedural generation system and pathfinding and AI stuff. And, um, you know, that stuff's really more engaging for me than smaller things like just putting particle effects on things and polish stuff. Okay. Um, that's also definitely the hard part. And as far as planning, so when you're planning out your work, is there any specific tools you're using to manage what you're doing every day and what you need to do, stuff like that? What's your approach to that? Yeah, so um, I'd say I'm not as organized as some people with the planning stages of it. So I bas- I have a bunch of different text files, um, and I really like working in a text editor that has no spell check, no formatting whatsoever, just pure text. And um, I have one file called Scratchpad. And basically how that works is I just do a little bit of journaling about what I want to do for the day. And some bigger things about like month-long plans, um, sometimes longer term than that. And whenever I complete something on there, I just delete it, maybe put it into the patch notes. Um, But then I have a few other files for longer term things, like when I think a lot about a certain system and plan out how it's going to go over a longer period of time. But a lot of it is just journaling and... um, just getting my thoughts down on paper, well, in a text file about what I'm doing in the immediate sense. So when I'm in the middle of it and I'm wondering what the next step is, I just look at that and it's written right down. Okay. So, and you're talking about the journaling. So is there a process like when you do that, do you do it before you work, while you're working after? Like, how does that process go? Oh, it's that... It's definitely a continuous process. So, like, um, I do a little bit of it in the morning. Like, I sometimes I even start it with the sentence, what am I doing today? And the next bit's usually the answer. That's going to be the steps I'm going to take to get to some kind of goal. But then, like, if I reach a point during the day where I basically know what my goal is, but I'm a little fuzzy on how to get there. I'll stop and go back to that journal and write down what the issues are, what the possible solutions are, what steps I might take. And some of those I don't wind up doing, but usually usually the solution I actually decide on will pop out a lot easier when I'm going through that process than, you know, if I'm just sitting there thinking about it without writing. So and what, then, hap- so what happens oh, when you when you sit down and you go, okay, what do I need to do? And you're like, I don't know. What's the process from there? Um, so if, like, I'm thinking about something I want to implement and... I literally don't know how that's done. 
The next step is going to be going to a search engine and typing in questions that I have related to that. And a lot of times I've found that Unity forums and like C-sharp forums are a lot more useful, beneficial documentation. So like the Unity manual, it can uh, be good for getting some really specific information about like what um, specific Unity classes do. But a lot of times they're writing about it is really obtuse and they use weird examples. So if you're just looking at Unity forums for people asking questions about how to put in a system and seeing the answers, that'll be a lot more useful for um, what I'm doing. Yeah, like Unity answers, right? Someone, someone yeah, asked yeah. the question before, so. So, um, physics-based procedural, okay, it's one player, multiplayer, online, no, one player? Um, one player and offline. Okay, because, uh, my only experience, I did a procedural multiplayer online game, and yeah, my brain wanted to explode, so I wouldn't try <laughs> to do that again. Oh, uh, I bet, yeah, it sounds really difficult. Yeah. Um, it kind of broke my brain to be like, wait, the world's random, but then it's synchronized. Ah, you know, and the deterministic functions were magic to me, but it's good to learn. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's um, ball of wax trying to get Unity working multiplayer over the internet. Yeah. So, what's the current state of Creator Creek? So, um, I'm still probably more than a year away from the official release. But right now, almost all of the areas are in and playable. Um, you can interact with a whole lot of different systems. You can find tools and use those to help you get through the level. There's one boss I want to make a whole lot more bosses. And there's also quite a few enemies to interact with. Um, the most fun are probably the humans because you can do things like uh, whack them over the head with furniture, and then they'll ragdoll and fly all over the place. And you can also pick up the bodies and use them as human shields or throw them at other people to knock them down. Yeah, that's cool. You know, the thing I forgot to ask you about was, so you are talking about the Creator Crate eating stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And making new things. So do you have like a crafting system in there too that does that? Yes, yeah, so I wouldn't exactly describe it as a crafting simple because it's more simple than that. But basically, every object has a certain amount of matter. If you eat the object, you get the matter. So, like, something might be worth two pieces of matter. And then um, you can basically make anything that you've eaten. So, for instance, if you eat a knife, then you can keep making knives and throwing them at enemies and stuff like that. Oh, that's a cool approach. What mm -hmm. brought you to that approach? Um, I'd say it was kind of inspired by 3D printers and von Neumann machines. So, um, you know, I thought it was an interesting take on it, where it's basically it's basically a character that doesn't interact with scarcity in the same way as a lot of video game characters. So basically, like, if you want health, 
the entire level is full of health because all you need to do is eat furniture and repair yourself with it. Or if you want a new gun, you just find, you find a person, you eat the person, you turn them into a gun. So, and you can only have three of these uh, blueprints for making things at once. So I guess that's where the scarcity comes in. But, um, you know, you're not so limited by matter because you can find it pretty easily in the level. Okay, so then, um, so thinking about balancing it, if there's health everywhere, so then do you just make everything that more deadly and make it that much easier for the player to die, to balance it out, or...? That kind of is the direction it's gone. So, like, early in the game development, you know, the player can use their matter to heal themselves. So my first impulse towards that was, why don't I just make matter health? You only have one resource. If you get damaged, you lose matter. If you run out of matter, you die. And the problem with that was that it encourages players to hoard matter and never really use tools in the way that I wanted them to. Because why would you make a piece of furniture to throw at someone if that's just going to make you die in fewer hits? So what I wound up doing was putting in a healing system. So you need to take a moment to convert your matter into health. So it's not always feeling like if you're low on matter, you're on the verge of death. And at the same time, if you are low on health, you, you still need to find a quiet period to get more health or collect more matter to get more health. It's not like you can do it um, while bullets are flying at you and you're running for your life. Yeah, you know, something I, it made me think of at the beginning when you were talking about why you like roguelikes, you know, where, you know, the, the regular long form narrative games seem tedious and you're afraid to die. And I was just like, whoa, okay, roguelikes are like pushing the YOLO lifestyle, right? It's like, you only live once, so go all out. It's <laughs> kind of more fun. Yeah, that's absolutely what I love about roguelikes. And that's also why, you know, in addition to making a roguelike, roguelikes are also kind of my chill-out games. Because I, I do enjoy a lot of longer-form games or creative games like Kerbal Space Program. But a lot of the times, like, I've spent all day programming, and I only have, like, an hour to enjoy something. So it's going to be a lot less satisfying if I'm spending an hour engaging with, some kind of story that takes 60 hours to finish. And it's going to be a lot more interesting if I'm going from game start to death in the same, in the same hour. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm the same way. I only play them after I, I finish work and I look at it like gambling, like nuclear throne mm -hmm. or cave blazers is another one I was playing or dead cells. And it's like a roll of the dice. Like, and I tell myself, I'm only going to play once. When I die, my game's over. So if I die in 30 seconds, that's all I'm playing. If it lasts 15, mm -hmm. that's kind of cool. But it's like gambling because you never know what you're going to get. So that kind of seems like the fun part of oh, it. Definitely. Yeah, and I read yeah. about some, some rat experiment where they had rats. And they had these rats where if every time they press this button, they got the same thing. Then they had this other 
uh, part of the experiment where the rats randomly got stuff when they pressed it and the ones that randomly got it like pressed it way more and became obsessed with it so it's kind of showing how we like to gamble or at least rats you know like when we don't know what we're gonna get we like i might get the ultimate prize so that's always <laughs> a thing with roguelikes too right like oh absolutely the intermittent reinforcement yeah so anyone that's interested in creator crate where can they go where can they go to follow you what should people do so um i have a website creatorcrate.net and it's currently up on steam right now and you can wishlist the game at creatorcrate.net forward slash steam um and i also do streaming on twitch also under creatorcrate Okay, we'll post all those links in the show notes. So if you send them to me after, I'll put them up there. And then so make sure that everyone listening can go check that stuff out. So um, thanks for being on the Game Dev Grit podcast. And good luck to you in Creator Crate. Sounds like an awesome game. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on. Cool.